Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, time for yet another installment of the Penn State Blitz, courtesy of Penn Live. And also, it's the Penn State Blitz podcast. I am Bob Flounders, joined by my Penn State cohort, Greg Pickle. It's almost late July, but there's still plenty of Penn State news. Right around this time, we're going to talk about, you know, normally Penn State would be going to the Big Ten Media Days out in Chicago, kind of the kickoff to the season. That's not going to happen this year. Greg and I will talk a little bit about Chicago, maybe for personal reasons, because we're still not over it. The Athletics' Bruce Feldman, one of the top college football writers, obviously, in the country, has released his latest edition of The Freaks List, the most athletic players in college football for 2020. Penn State is well represented on that list. We'll get to who made the cut for Penn State. Greg's going to update Penn State's recruiting with the addition of Jamari Budin. I hope I said that right, not Budin. Budin, he's now a Lions verbal. And we are going to close with the Penn State mailbag. And it's going to include, I'm pretty sure, a question about a impressive Penn State third-year defensive tackle, not to give too much away. Greg Pickle, I hope you're doing well. I know it's hot out. I'm sure Lola is mining the heat, but kind of playing through. But Greg, I got to tell you, this is a little bit selfish on our part, but there is actually a little bit of news related to it. So during the pandemic, a lot of things got canceled. One of the casualties was the Big Ten Media Days out in Chicago, usually held at this time of year. You and I always have a blast in Chicago. We spend a couple of days extra out there, get into all sorts of trouble. But for the Penn State fan, there's, there's some news, I think, value here. Usually that's the kind of kickoff to the start of college season. We get to hear a lot from James Franklin. We get a lot of access to him, some Penn State players. We also get to interact with some of the other top players and coaches in the Big Ten. I always feel like it's a worthwhile trip in terms of information. Just your thoughts on no Chicago this year. Yeah, disappointing for sure, Bob, especially because, again, it's always that annual kickoff event, if unofficial, for the Big Ten and college football seasons. And then by the time you and I get back to Harrisburg, it's almost time for Penn State Media Day. And then camp opens after uh, we get to talk to the players at Beaver Stadium, and we're off and running toward another college football season. And obviously a uh, much different situation this year, the Big Ten not even scheduling a virtual media day yet. Big Ten dropping non-conference games. We know camp is supposed to start on August 7. We don't know when or if the Big Ten will release a schedule for the fall or if they're going to move it around at this point. It's just too hard to say. But we're nearing the walkthroughs that can start, the voluntary walkthroughs that can start at the end of this week. So I guess that is a positive sign to look forward to, Bob. And something that uh, will, again, get us closer to the possibility of playing a season. But there's still a lot of stuff to figure out. And again, the uh, the inability for them to hold an in-person media day in Chicago, which is, of course, pretty obvious from the time the pandemic really uh, kicked into high gear back in March and April. But disappointing for sure. Again, it's always that sign of late July when it's time for another uh, season to start counting down the days, really. And now we're counting down the days with really uh, a lot of confusion about what the end 
product will look like, when that end product will kick off, and uh, when we'll hear from some of these players and coaches that we would usually hear from again. So there were a lot of questions that could have been answered out there, Bob. There's a lot of movement in the Big Ten this year, I think, but uh, we'll have to ask those another time because no uh, Big Ten media days this year. Yeah, a couple quick follow-ups for you, Greg, before we move on to uh, Bruce Feldman and the Freaks list for 2020. How many days does it typically take you to hydrate to recover from Chicago after Big Ten Media Days out in Chicago, whether it's what goes on out in Chicago work-wise or fun-wise with regard to Arlington Park and all that stuff? That's my first follow-up. My second follow-up is Big Ten preseason watch list comes out during the Big Ten Media Days in Chicago. It's usually five players from the East, five players from the West. Slam dunk, Micah Parsons is on that list in your mind. And also, how many watch lists is Micah Parsons going to be on this year before we even get to even talk about maybe the first college football game? Yeah, I would call it a three or four day recovery period minimum. You can never have too much fun in Chicago and you have to get every uh, drop out of the faucet, if you will. Yeah, that's a three or four day recovery at least. In terms of the other two questions, yeah, I think there's no doubt that Micah Parsons would have been on that list. I think there's an outside chance that Journey Brown would have made that list. Obviously, there's a lot of very good offensive skill players in the Big Ten that he would have been competing for a spot with on that team or on that watch list group. But there's a good reason to think he could have been on that list as well. Micah, there's no question about it. Obviously, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields would have been on there too and some other big name defenders and offensive players in the Big Ten. But yeah, Mike would have been on that. And at this point, Bob, I think it'd be easier to list the watch list that Micah has not made than the ones that he has made because he's on just about every one that it is related to either defense or overall excellent play or academics even. Uh, He's on all of them. Uh, No matter uh, what position they talk about on defense, he seems to find a way. I'm surprised he's not on the corner and safeties list just because he's made so many of them at this point. Clearly big things in store for him. And, you know, the watch list, it used to be fun I think to look at those and now they've just made them so large and they have so many kids on them that I guess it's great that more kids are getting recognized Bob but at the same time 85 interior offensive linemen that are on the Remington Trophy watch list or 95 linebackers who are on the this list or that list it almost cheapens it to the point that it's not even worth considering. Sure before we get to Bruce Feldman's freak list I just want to reach out real quickly to Penn State tight end Pat Fryermuth and his family and apologize on behalf of Greg Pickle for omitting that Pat Fryermuth might have been on the watch list, maybe ahead of Journey Brown. It's an easy mistake to make because I threw a curveball at Greg. He was trying to praise Journey Brown, but obviously I think Pat Fryermuth as well. I'm just kidding, Greg, you know that, but I think Fryermuth probably might have been a better bet than Journey Brown. Yeah, you're right though. It's funny that, uh, Sometimes the most obvious stuff is the most uh, easily overlooked stuff. Yeah, there's uh, there's little to no doubt that Pat Fryermuth would have been on that list. Good catch, Bob. Good Maybe catch. all three. Let's just say all three might have made it. Let's just try and cover all our bases. Greg, let's talk Penn State freaks, and I mean that in the best way. This is the best representation, I think, ever on Bruce Feldman's list. I think it was 35 or 40 names, maybe 50 names deep. Four Penn State players. Make the list. I know, I'm pretty sure you and I thought we knew two of them. And obviously, Micah Parsons is on it, but Jason Oway is actually higher up on the list for all of the stuff he's been able to do in terms of strength and conditioning. But, Greg, what, you, what about your thoughts on the other two Penn State players on Feldman's list that are from Penn State? Yeah, so obviously, I was probably not stunned that Jason Oway was the top 
listed Penn State player. He comes in at number four. There's been little doubt about the fact that uh, uh, Jason Owe has been a testing freak and a physical freak, even dating back to high school. And now he has Dwight Galt's team really uh, putting him in a good place to get on the field in significant reps, perhaps even as a starter for the first time. So really excited to see what he can do this year. Yeah, Micah Parsons checks in. Uh, two spots ahead of Journey Brown, who we talked about a little while ago. And again, Journey uh, Journey checked all the boxes in high school, too. And now that he's really refined his abilities as a running back and a ball carrier, I mean, the, the sky is the limit for him. And then I think a lot of people's first reaction when they scrolled that list was that uh, Jaquan Brisker, the Penn State safety uh, second-year member of the Nittany Lions out of Lackawanna Community College. He checked in down near the, the bottom. I think it was 46 out of 50, which is nothing to sneeze at on a list like that. Uh, just being included is an obvious sign of uh, success and testing. And, you know, there were times, Bob, where I felt like he played with that kind of uh, ability, if you will. And there were times that maybe he was a little bit more tentative. So I think this could be a very good sign of what's in store for him and, and Tim Banks in that safety room in 2020. Kudos to uh, Bruce Feldman for for getting to uh, get some more details on the overall athleticism of Brisker. Journey Brown, who can run in the 4.3 or 4.29 range with, at 216 pounds, is obviously eye-opening. Mike is 245, and he's running 4.4s, and his agility and all that stuff is obviously going to get him recognized. And who knows? Who knows what Jason Owe's 40-time eventually will be when he runs his best 40-time uh, he had something on Twitter yesterday about it was a, it was a number that looked like it might have been a 40 time, but I'm not sure that it was. We won't go too far into that, but if, it, if what he posted on Twitter was true in regards to a 40 yard dash, I think we're going to be talking a lot more about a lot more about Jason Owe in the years to come. But yeah, great list and a, a tribute to Penn State's conditioning program and Dwight Galt. They're, they're clearly well prepared for the season. They're clearly well prepared at the NFL scouting combine, and it looks like the latest batch of Nittany Lions are getting ready to terrorize the next NFL scouting combine, whenever that may be. Before we continue here on the Penn State Blitz and the Penn State Blitz podcast, we're halfway home. Greg, why don't you talk to our viewers and our listeners about things they can do to make our podcast better? Yes, Bob, and thank you for giving me that opportunity. It's the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast, the Penn Live Penn State Blitz video produced by the great Mark Pines. You can find the audio version of this wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google, Acast, wherever. Uh, you can find it, and you can also find it at PennLive.com slash Penn State Football every week. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think of the show, and if you want us to talk about a particular topic or if you have a mailbag question, you can leave that information for us as well. If you're watching the video version or if you just prefer the video version, youtube.com slash State, you'll be able to find all of the uh, archived videos there, all the archived Blitz videos, and I was just looking at Bruce Feldman's article before we move on to third down, and I think the 441 was in reference to the pro agility time, not the 40, uh, which would make a lot more sense. So Feldman wrote that his 446 second pro agility time, if that was 441, I think that would make more sense. I think you and I were talking last night, and for him to run a 41140 is almost impossible. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, you know, I know this, I know this guy's fast, but that's it is literally. I think impossible to be that fast, especially at that size. But whatever, whatever he did, I'm sure once we figure out what event it was, it's going to be 
just jaw-dropping. I look forward to seeing Jason Owe on the field with a lot of reps and in long long yardage passing situations just to see what he can do. I think it's going to be exciting, Greg. Uh, Penn State recruiting news, especially when they get a prized prospect, and I believe that happened last week. What can you tell us about the newest Nittany Lion verbal commit? Yeah, so the drought is over. Penn State picks up its first class of 2021 commitment since May from number 13 in the class of 2021 for Penn State. It's Jamari Boone, the four-star linebacker out of Michigan. Another very good athletic get at that position for Brent Pry, the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. If the uh, staff titles are reflective of who coaches what, though, he'll actually be coached by Joe Lorig, who added that outside linebacker tag this past offseason. But either way, that's semantics. Budin's a guy who looks a lot and plays a lot like Lance Dixon. Maybe not, uh, maybe won't be as ready to contribute in four games or less as Lance Dixon was last year. And I think we both agree Lance Dixon could have probably played more last year if there were reps allowed for it, which we don't think it did. But yeah, Budin's a good get. Another uh, win for Tim Banks and co. in the state of Michigan. They've really done a nice job out there. I know there are a fair amount of higher rated players that have picked Michigan. Maybe Penn State's not completely dominating out there in the way that this class might uh, might indicate. You know, they have a number of Michigan guys in this group. But all told, another good get for Penn State. Probably wraps up linebacker recruiting for this year. Keep in mind, this is a class that you're looking in at 19, 21, maybe 22 at absolutely most, unless things get crazy. And who knows? Maybe they will. Maybe they'll move the season to the spring. Maybe more guys will elect to sit out and just go to the NFL. I don't know. But I don't know if we'll have the answers to those questions in time for Penn State to expand its class either. So the point being, Bob, with 13 kids already in, it's going to continue to be selective, which means it's probably going to continue to be slow on the commitment front. But uh, they get a good one here in Budin. Okay, uh, let's move along to the final section of the Blitz and the Blitz podcast. It's the Penn State mailbag. I know you're. I know you got a question teed up for me. Let's get to it. All right, Bob. Let's do it. So you had the chance to chat with Penn State defensive lineman Judge Culpepper uh, on Tuesday of this past week. Tell us some of the highlights of that call. Yeah, very colorful kid. Well spoken. Comes from a very athletic background. His dad, Brad Culpepper, played nine years in the NFL. I think most uh, older Penn State fans remember him as a defensive tackle on some really good Tampa Bay defenses in the 90s. He was not part of the Super Bowl team. That was a little bit later. Uh, His mom was on a couple of seasons of Survivor, uh, as was Brad. So Judge has two athletic parents. He also has an older brother, Rex Culpepper. See, got that one right. He's a quarterback at Syracuse. He, it was interesting just talking to him about his commitment to fitness and how he essentially weighs about the same uh, that he did when he got to Penn State three years ago, but he said it's much better weight. He said he was just too big in the 290-285 range when he got here. He's now the same weight, but he said his muscle mass and his, his body fat are all... He's in much, much better shape. He works at it. Uh, commitment to conditioning, commitment to nutrition. And Greg, I think he, he's a guy to watch. They have about six or seven, I think, defensive tackles who they're going to look at to play this year. A lot of them are unknowns. But you got to watch guys like Fred Hansard and Culpepper and some younger players because there's a good chance that Antonio Shelton and maybe P.J. Mustafer, Shelton, this is Shelton's last year, and he's a defensive tackle. And this could be Mustafer's last year. He's a third-year player that's really talented. If he has a big year, he might want to consider testing the NFL water. So the, the defensive tackle room could look a lot different in 2021. And Culpepper, if he can devi- define a role in the rotation this year, 
I think he's a guy you look to be maybe one of the top three tackles next year. Yeah, no question about it. You mentioned his commitment to fitness. I know you have that. I do not, but that's here nor there. Um, does it concern you at all, though? You make a good point, so I'll just segue into this question for this week's mailbag. Does it concern you at all that Penn State seems to have a lot of guys like Judge Culpepper behind the starting two where you can make a case that the talent is there or should be there and the progress is there or should be there, but you haven't seen it on the field yet? Does that concern you at all with a new position coach? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I, I just think that they when the last couple of years, they've, I think, Greg, they've leaned very heavily on one or two defensive tackles and they've played them a lot of reps because they haven't really trusted the depth. In recent years, I think the depth's gotten better moving forward as James Franklin and his staff continue to recruit well. So I think that the guys behind the guys are now more talented, and I think it's going to be a little bit easier for them to transition. But I think, you know, 2016, 17, 18, they leaned on one or two or three defensive tackles, and we never really got to see who was behind them. And maybe that spoke to the, to the overall talent uh, at the position. Maybe it wasn't quite as good. And the other thing, Greg, is, they're just starting to get four-star uh, interior defensive linemen to come to Penn State. They really didn't have that early in James Franklin's regime. If they would ever get a five-star defensive tackle that could play inside, I think we would see him immediately, maybe as a true freshman. And maybe that's maybe the next step in the evolution of Penn State's program is getting better on the interior of the defensive line early in recruits' careers. All right, last question for you, Bob. By the time we tape this podcast next week, because I believe you're going to be off the following week, so this will be our last time together for uh, – next week will be our last time together for a couple of weeks. Um, do you think we'll have a Big Ten schedule release by the time we tape next week? Yes or no? Next week? No. But I think it'll be probably six hours after we post next week's video. That's probably what's going to happen. Before we close out this edition of the Penn State Blitz and the Penn State Blitz podcast, I just want to point out it's been like three minutes since I've not mangled the Culpepper last name. I feel like I've made some progress. Judge Culpepper, Brad Culpepper, I'm going to remember it for the Penn State fan base. No more flubbing that name. He could be a key player this year. I hope all you guys enjoy your weekend. (laughs) 